I'm Tim Baxter. I'm Daddy Barcelona. And I'm Alan. <laughs> there we go. Just Fantastic. Alan. <laughs> just Alan. We're recording just after the first game of the World Cup has kicked off. Russia versus Saudi Arabia. Danny, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was a pretty good game, I thought, for an opening match of a World Cup. You got goals, you got action. I thought it was a pretty good game. It was entertaining. It was a 5-0 win for Russia. Who got the goals? What performance is like? Was it an entertaining match? Well, to be honest, I missed the first goal because I was in Ikea. And I missed the last two goals because I was stuck in traffic. But Football enthusiasts. <laughs> well, I can tell you the first goal was really good, actually. It was a really, really great cross in. I'm not even going to try and attempt the players' names because they're Russian and it's awful. It was a really great cross in, in-swinging, right-footed cross into the box and a great header past the keeper. Keeper probably could have done more, actually, the Saudi Arabian keeper. To be fair to Saudi Arabia, the defender in front of him slipped at the wrong Yeah, time. it was a completely free header from about eight yards out, which isn't great. Gazinski <laughs> with that goal, the opening Gazinski. <laughs> what were the next goals like then? Because you saw those ones. Then Cheryshev came off the bench with... Honestly, the calmest thing I think I've seen in a long time. Ball gets played to him. Terrible pass. But he just waits, chips it to himself, sends two Saudi Arabian <laughs> defenders flying, and then just rifles it into the top corner. Oh, I love those goals when the, like, the defenders end up on the floor. It was, he took two of them out. <laughs> two in one go. So, no, it's actually quite an entertaining match for the World Cup. And I'm, I'm really hoping it sets a precedent for this whole tournament of sort of like... Smaller teams were getting a lot of goals and having really interesting matches because they don't want a repeat of eight years ago in South Africa when like they're all just one nil wins or draws or boring. I think that's crap right. Like that. It was a great way to kick it off because I think there was a lot of sort of potential negativity before the game. Um, I remember on the radio listening to an interview with a Russian journalist who was only saying very negative things both about the team and the manager. <laughs> and Lovely. Them to, well, I, I think. There wasn't a lot of hope for their World Cup. Um, I think you touched on it briefly in the last pod that they haven't had a competitive fixture for two They're years. They're the lowest ranked team in their, in the competition. Exactly, lowest ranked team against the second lowest ranked team. It wasn't pitched <laughs> yeah. as going to be sort of that fantastic a game. But, you know, Russia came out and absolutely Yeah, well, everyone out. likes goals. So uh, oh, it may, maybe it wasn't the most competitive match we'll see all tournament. But, uh, no, it was, you know, it's entertaining. Everyone enjoys a 5-0 win, especially some of the goals were very, very good. Was it Cheryshev second? <laughs> Outside of, <coughs> outside of the boot, from like the left-hand side of the area, top bins. I'd, you're probably going to struggle to see a better goal than that in the rest <laughs> of round one matches. To be fair. Well, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on that because we will be doing a, a sort of goal of the tournament mm. uh, later on towards the end. Of, you know, and end of everything after the final, we're doing a a goal of the tournament along with some other features. But what, one <coughs> thing to note from that game, it was an absolute commentator's <coughs> nightmare. <laughs> yeah. um, sort of looking. Like looking at the lineup now, it's sort of like Gavinsky, Golovkin, Shmonov, Semenov, um, and down, down to the Saudi Arabian team, Omhawasi, Al Faraj. And considering the Saudi Arabian team was giving the ball away every three minutes, the possession was changing almost <laughs> every move. It was chopping and changing between itches and, you know, the Saudi Arabian team. Absolute nightmare. So fair play to any commentator they that did, had to. Uh, I, did, I watched the first that. half. They did a really, really good job of the Russian names, actually. And especially just trying to tell them apart because obviously like, they're not the most well known players mm. either. Absolutely. So... There's some huge Scrabble scores there. <laughs> Massive. So uh, another thing to note from that game, um, that, the goal from Sheroshev. Is it Sheroshev? Cheryshev. 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 Again, Your guess with? is as this, good as mine. <laughs> if Russia go far in this tournament, this is going to be a struggle. Um, what a way to prove yourself, because there was a lot of things before the game about his, because he's obviously had an upbringing in Spain, uh, played for Villarreal, Real Madrid's youth team. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, 
for all intents and purposes, has been brought up as a Spaniard, has, has come over, joined the uh, Russia World Cup squad, has refused to do interviews in Russian. <laughs> and that hasn't gone on, that hasn't gone down well, sorry, I, with I the Russian fans. I can't imagine it would. I mean, it's not something that's going to endear yourself to the Russian public at all. No. So I think when he had to come on in the 24th minute, I think, as, yeah. as an injury substitute, I think there was essentially some groans around, yeah, a bit of groaning, not a bit this of booze guy around again. the stadium. But two goals, one of which was... Uh, bit of a stunner so yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they've, ignored, they've, they've forgotten all that already oh yeah, um, yeah the one guy I want to mention from the Russia squad is Igor Akinfeev because he's oh, actually yeah. like one of the best goalkeepers especially over like sort of the last 10 years or so has genuinely been one of the best goalkeepers in European football I think and anyone yeah. that's played football manager over the last 10 years <laughs> yeah. will uh, look back fondly to his, I believe, like 2010 stats. <laughs> that was he, a good year. He was year. one to have. <laughs> that was yeah. a good year. He always got the uh, sort of like community team of the season card on FIFA. He did. And it was always a banger of a card. Yeah. Unfortunate with injury as well. Yeah. In the yeah. last few years, I believe. I mean, he could have, there were definitely moves on for either sort of like sort of second half of the top 10 in the Premier League teams or various teams abroad, like France. Like uh, League One teams, so the move for him has probably been there, but I, I, maybe he just wanted to play in Russia. Didn't he go like ten years or something without a clean sheet in the Champions League? Oh dear, he it went was, a he, horrendous amount. He picked of time. up a really horrendous record because uh, yeah, he's obviously been a long-standing member of that CSKA side who have had not particularly good fortunes in yes. Europe. Yeah, Saudi Arabia as well, who put on. What can only be described as B-Tech Barcelona <laughs> <laughs> display. Um, it, it was it was strange, wasn't it? They wouldn't put a ball above waist height. I mean, they absolutely refused to do any long ball. And they were playing it out from defence. Classic five-a-side indoor football. Uh, yeah. Well, the intentions were there, but the managers obviously <coughs> instilled that in them. They mm. said, you've got to play in this way. This is how we're going to approach this, approach this World Cup. And it's a difficult thing to execute. I mean... I think the England team would struggle and have struggled with <laughs> playing the ball out from defence, and that's been our downfall. It was a bit past. like trying to teach toddlers how to play like Ronaldinho. Like <laughs> there's like the sort of intent there and the will, yeah. and then it just sort of as soon as you try and put it into practice, it just goes, it just fails. To be in the opening, sort because of, Russia scored after 12 minutes, but that opening 10 minutes was the most ping pong football I've seen in a long time. You said it before, one team got the ball didn't really want to keep it for much more than a couple of passes and then gave the ball straight back. And that's probably not the best football to play, but it was exciting to watch before Russia ultimately took the lead. And then... I think Russia's game management, in that mm. sense, was really good. Mm. Uh, I think they saw what Saudi Arabia were trying to do. I think Saudi Arabia ended up with 63% possession or something, which is mad considering yeah. they're a minnow in uh, sort of footballing terms. But Russia figured out that system quite quickly, said... Happy for you to have the ball in the first sort of first half of the pitch, mm. and then they just pressed them when they got to uh, yeah. that stage, and and it worked really well as the scoreline sort of. Yeah, five. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. there's from the the two is low, the two lowest ranked teams in the whole competition, uh, and we get this re- sort of really exciting five nil five nil win game for the opening match of the tournament. So it bo- it bodes well for matches coming up. But I'm going to move from two of the lowest ranked teams to one of the highest ranked teams in Spain, sacking their manager less or just over 24 hours before the World Cup starts. What's that all about? Mental. That's, I think that's the Spanish FA kind of putting themselves over the team's performance uh, yeah. there. I think that's maybe <laughs> well, we all know what's gone on because as soon as this story was released, it was then revealed that, uh, is it Loptegui? 
I think it's pronounced Lopteggy. <laughs> Lopteggy, that makes more sense. Lopteggy. I only lived in Spain for a year. It's an episode <laughs> for pronunciation. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we've got two weeks of this, so stay tuned. Um, we've got Lopteggy being yeah sacked, but then immediately comes out afterwards that he's taken the Real Madrid job. Um, yeah. I think so. what's happened there is he's. It came out that he took the Real Madrid job. And apparently he had talked to all of the Real Madrid members of the Spain squad saying he'd taken the job. Mm. Not told the Spanish FA, apparently. And As if they didn't know. He'd signed a new contract the week before for three more years. Well, So apparently there were talks about this beforehand of uh, Loptegui possibly leaving. And then he had a conversation with Ramos and then Ramos persuaded some of the Spanish officials for him to stay, stay on. And then... All this came out that he'd taken the Madrid job and talked to the players. I think there's and now he's been sacked. Yeah, less than twenty or two days before their opening match. I think there was a bit of annoyance as well with the hypocrisy of it because I think um, <laughs> Loptegui came out in the media and said, "I don't want any of my players negotiating contracts, <laughs> organising transfers, or doing anything external <laughs> to the national team." Um, who then goes and joins the biggest club in world football, potentially, um, <laughs> with the same breath as saying those <laughs> other statements to his players. So there's obviously a bit of annoyance to that. I, I love it, though. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even kicked the ball. Well, this was prior to even yeah. kicking yeah. the ball at the World Cup, and there's controversy. It's amazing. This is what World Cups are built on, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, Suarez <laughs> yeah, bites. You've got yeah, Zidane <laughs> head That's two episodes in a row we've mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Where are um, Italy today, Danny? <laughs> we just, all we need is someone to get kicked in the heart in the semi-final oh, and we're absolutely. done. And it's day, day one. And it's already, it's already, story. It's already more uh, dramatic than Love Island. Um, <laughs> to be fair, for replacement, Fernando Hierro isn't a bad one. <laughs> Spanish legend. Be- bearing in mind he's a centre-back, he scored the same amount of international goals in World Cups for Spain as Raul <coughs> what? who was a forward yeah they both have five goals That's in the mental. World Cup which is crazy <coughs> and, rem- and remember Hierro also played for Bolton so do with did that he? what you will he did yeah. he played for Bolton and his career then, <laughs> stupid the thing is obviously the point was made that Spain have played the same system for over a decade now <laughs> and they know it very well it's been successful Pass, well, short passing don't give the ball away that's not going to change mm. but how, how is that going to affect the team do you think I mean obviously they know the system that's not going to change but from a mental perspective I think Spain have got some of the best players in in world football I think they will probably know how they and they've been playing together for a long time as well like that Spanish squad is quite an aged squad they, they all know how they play together and they'll know each other all really really well so I'm not I don't I think having a defender in will probably help purely because that's the aspect that they need to be stronger on like we all know the flair that those Spanish players have got so to be fair, you probably wouldn't put past Gerard Piquet and Sergio Ramos popping up with a few goals. They no, normally on, do. Ramos always comes up with something. There was that was it two years ago when he scored in like every Champions League match or something. Yeah. <laughs> in the final, got... <laughs> yeah, literally within about three minutes. Speaking about Gerard Piquet, Gerard Piquet, sorry, and Sergio Ramos, um, there was a story that came out today about Ramos uh, arguing with the president of the Spanish FA because yeah. he's trying to. He was campaigning quite hard yesterday to reverse the decision or yeah. prevent this going to to press. Um, apparently getting quite heated, Gerard Piquet has to step in, apparently, and quell that argument, which is, which is an amazing <laughs> sort of, considering um, their relationship is not especially good. I mean, they've been a centre-back pairing for <coughs> years now, but I don't think they've ever, ever got <laughs> yeah. on that well. So, like, But no, who knows? It could galvanise the team 
at this point. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll use this to sort of come together a bit more. No, I it's it's I just don't understand. Like we're, we're giving criticisms for all the Premier League teams that sack their managers at half or like with five games to go in the season because you think what's the point? Like all these te- these Premier League teams that sack their managers without a plan like a replacement in place. Uh, and yet Spain are drinking it a day before the World Cup starts. I mean, it's, it's admirable that they're making a stand and trying to make a point on this, but it's like cutting off your nose <laughs> to spite your face. They've yeah. left themselves, well, who knows? In hindsight, it could be an amazing decision, but at the moment it feels like a rash decision that's going to put them in a less good place for the World Cup. Should have got Zidane in. Wins a trophy <laughs> every 90 days. Might, <laughs> might as well add the World Cup to it. Didn't win it in 2006. Yeah. Sorry, that's from an Italy fan. That, was, <laughs> that came from a bad place. <laughs> we should he's just still angry about that headbutt swiftly move on <laughs> to be fair though I think Spain's chances probably drop a little bit but I, not by much they're still a fantastic team I mean they're team still and, at least semi-finals and like you said they know how they play I don't think Hierro's really going to say much more than just carry on doing what you're yeah. doing well I'd say like, their squad is so experienced like, if it happened to England and uh, I mean if Southgate was sacked, which I'm not sure would make a huge difference at this point. Oh, it's, it's, not <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> we could still hold out hope. But, um, like, they might genuinely be a bit stuck. There's so many young players in that team without... They've been training for this system. And then if you got sacked, they might be a bit lost. And there aren't many leaders in that England team. Whether it's Spain, they've got so many players. Like, in, like Iniesta, David Silva, uh, Ramos, Piquet. They've got so many experienced players in there. I'm not sure it makes match a massive issue. That's, that's true, because not only are they sort of European and World Cup winners, they're Premier League winners, <laughs> yeah. Champions League winners, La Liga. I mean, that squad has covered most of the European major trophies, so it's probably not something that's going to affect Safe to say much. we'll think they'll be fine. This is maybe segueing slightly, but whilst we're on a pronunciation episode, have you seen what Marca released this week ahead of the World Cup? So Marca, the Spanish newspaper, released a pronunciation module on their website. <laughs> oh, wow. So they got a translator, interpreter from every single country that takes part in the World Cup and got them to pronounce every single name from every single squad. I'll tell you what, I realised that I pronounced a lot of names wrong. <laughs> Have they got the phonetic spelling we? as well? They, it's not even phonetic spelling. They will tell you... Right, give me a country. Uh, Egypt. I can do Mohamed Salah. This is Ahmed Hagazi, is how I'd pronounce it. Yeah. There you go. Hagazi. And that is for every single player, so... <coughs> It's a, it's a fun little... We've caught with a new yeah. feature for I mean, game time. There is an intern somewhere at Marker who's had to slave away at that <laughs> for oh, two weeks God. now. Oh, I thought I was busy. Um, that was a massive segue, sorry. I just <laughs> no, it's quite, we should definitely do that every... Uh, at least once a podcast and come up with some name that we didn't think was pronounced right. <laughs> It'll come up with like Harry Kane with like... Some like... Harry Akanye. <laughs> The, or some like really stupid to pronunciation. Be fair, the British guy is like the most monotone one of the lot. Like everyone else is really good, and then you get Nick. Oh. <laughs> Nick. Well, they smashed it. Not wrong. <laughs> well done. Record. Well done, that intern. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Pope. Uh, I thought he'd be like really like Queen's English or something, and be like just really really posh. Nicholas Pope. Trent Alexander Arnold. I wasn't oh far off. I read his mind. <laughs> I was oh not far off at all. <laughs> they know. Anyway, back back to the football. <coughs> oh, that um, old thing. Whilst we're probably talking about Spain, they do kick off their World Cup campaign on the Friday. Yeah, just a small game. Yeah, just that small game against good old noisy neighbours Portugal. Well, it's like we mentioned on our last episode, is that Portugal have never won a World Cup match against Spain. Yeah, never beaten Spain at the World Cup. Did beat them at the Euros in 2004. 
but never a World Cup. So that will be really, really interesting to see what happens there. I think we're going to need a big shift from Ronaldo. I don't even know who else poses a massive threat in that Portuguese team. They've got Andre Silva, who's not had the best season, but could be one to watch potentially. Like He's one of those players that could increase his value in the transfer market massively after the World Cup or yeah. just be forgotten about. João Mario hasn't exactly lit up the uh, Premier League with West Ham. So to be honest, I forgot sure. he even played for West Ham. Um, he's got that one goal, didn't he? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that one, one goal. He <laughs> scored that one goal, right? Yeah. Um, please don't forget about me. <laughs> I, I back Portugal to get through purely because they've got Ronaldo. But like, <sighs> I mean, I said it last week. I still don't think Portugal get through. Well, you put you back Morocco, didn't I you? I back Morocco in that group, and they face Iran on Friday as well, and they'll probably beat Iran. Iran, the team of incredibly attractive men. <laughs> yes, as Amelia puts it. And both of Alan's sweepstakes draws. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, my department at work did a draw for the World Cup. Came out as Iran. Did an individual sweepstake. Also Iran. The stars. <laughs> the stars. They are You've aligning. Been so screwed over there. Not at all. I think there's a sign. I think Iran are going to do some damage on this World Cup now. <laughs> Absolutely. They're going to charm everyone with their good looks, and then just sort of like swagger in and just pass pass the ball into the net while everyone's ogling over them. Speaking of that Portugal. Team though, because they've only got. Uh, you talk about them potentially being experienced after the the Euros. They're only retaining, I think, it's seven or eight players mm. from that squad. It's oh. a much changed Portugal squad, and of those seven or eight, they weren't first team starters or anything like no, that. Well, you've got a lot of those players and players like Bruno <coughs> Alves, who were starters in the last Euros. He qualifies for a bus pass now in this country. <laughs> he's, he's, he's on his pension. <laughs> like he's only got about five years left. That Portugal squad that won the Euros, they only won one of those games in regular time against Wales. And of the ones that do have experience, Bruno Alves, old man, Jose Font, who lost 8-0 oh, on his debut in China. <laughs> and he's still getting in the squad. Absolutely. Um, who's the player that, um, oh my God, Silva, uh, who oh, signed Bernardo for Bernardo or Adrian? Adrian oh, they've got, they've got they've got Bernardo Silva. Spent half a season just chilling. Oh, because he missed the, the deadline by 14 yeah. just minutes. Really enjoying Leicester's uh, scenery. <laughs> the sights of Leicester. <laughs> that thrilling old thing. I can only assume he was down spoons every Saturday, <laughs> um, enjoying the game. He was on Instagram just getting people to send him jugs of woo woo. Well, uh, he, he potentially could have been an important. I, I, oh, yeah. I don't know if he's going to be in the starting eleven, but it doesn't help. I'd imagine he would half be. A season. I'd imagine he would be. But like, well, so Ronaldo did an interview maybe like a year ago saying. Like the successes of world football. So when him, Messi, all these guys have gone, it'll be, he, he named three Portuguese players. It was uh, Ronaldo Sanchez, who's just been <laughs> woeful <laughs> after so moving from Bayern Munich, previous champions of Europe, to Swansea. The only man uh, I've seen past were Billboard. <laughs> and he said um, Andre Gomez, who's the Barcelona player. He's all right. Who, well, I mean, he can't get in the team, can he? Because it's Barcelona. And he said someone else who I can't quite remember. Like, none of them have been any of any like importance at all. Um, the only, as I said, the only other player that's made an impact is Bernardo Silva, and he struggles because he's in that City team. Hmm. But I mean, he could actually have an impact. So put stick him out there with Ronaldo somewhere, and they might have a chance. But a surprise I'm... exclusion from that Portugal squad was Ruben Neves. Yes, um, which the pronunciation will probably say I'm saying wrong. But Ruben Neves. Be bearing in mind, he's had. Possibly one of the best seasons of any debut player I've ever seen in the championship. Adrian Silva actually got the place over him, despite playing only half a season for Leicester. Well, there were players that definitely could have got in. Like both of them could have got in, and players could have been dropped out. But like, I don't know. I think it was just the he hasn't been proven against quality opposition. Was that the Portugal sort of FA's thought of that? Is that 
sure he's had a good season against championship players, but what's he going to be like when he comes up against Ramos and Piquet? But, um, I mean, there's another case that this because Sessegnon get left out as well for the same reason. He's had a storm of a season at Fulham and he got left out because they don't think that he can hack it against international players. We've put English players on a pedestal mm. from quite early. We're talking like sort of Rooney. Um, <coughs> to a certain extent, Sterling was built up very early. Yeah. And sometimes it's not the best. And I think in this case, um, Gareth Southgate, perhaps trying to protect him, he could be a really key figure in maybe. the Euros. When he's, yeah. I think he'll be 20 perhaps by then, or mm. maybe 19. 19. 20, yeah. Do we reckon he's getting a Premier League move then in, the, in this transfer window? I mean, he plays in the Premier League now with Fulham. So I think that's bought Fulham a year of Ryan Sessegnon. At yeah. least. Yeah. And I'd, I mean, based on his form in the Championship this season, there's every chance he's going to oh, yeah. uh, do very well and make the step up. But if, if Fulham struggle and get relegated, uh, you've got to worry that he's going to be chipped straight off. I think yeah. Tottenham's interested. Uh, well, I'd I think say he, a lot might, of, he might bag some cash if they go back down. So if, if they do hang on to him, then uh, potentially he could be their saviour is he can they'll offload him for some money and sort of bulk up their squad a bit so they can come back then a year afterwards because I mean obviously it's really difficult when you move up to the Premier League from the Championship is you're always in threat of moving back down again I think this season was one of the first seasons in a long time that all three promoted sides didn't get relegated every single team that got promoted <laughs> within each individual league all stayed up really? so oh, all wow. the teams that were promoted to League 2 1 Championship Premier League all got retained which is, which is lovely it's amazing isn't yeah. it? Paul West Brom and Stoke Yes, well, they've, they've, not, had, their, they've had their turn. <laughs> um, that was a very good point. It's good to see. It's, it's, it's nice that teams can now sort of come up and hold their place against all these, you know, all the money now coming in. And this argument that, like, money takes over football, whether these teams can come up with very little money or less money than, their, you know, their, than the rivals in the league above and stay up, which is really cool to see. So that's nice. Hopefully, hopefully Sessegnon can stay at Fulham and have a good season and then be a huge figure for England. Yeah. in the years to come. Well, before we segue off onto England, because we will no doubt talk about their match with Tunisia, probably look <laughs> at the rest of... We missed out Egypt versus Uruguay, which is also happening on the Friday. Oh, yeah. Um, Mohamed Salah <coughs> apparently is nearly 100% fit. Do we think he... I thought you were going to say he was 100 years old then. <laughs> uh... He'll probably still be Egypt's best player, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Even though it'll be a fair... They've got Hegazi? Well, we learn how to pronounce it. We can't now. But yeah, Egypt, Uruguay... Probably say those two are going through, despite Russia absolutely thronking Saudi Arabia 5-0. Probably going <laughs> to see Egypt and Uruguay go through. <coughs> I think I mean, that's what we said yesterday. Yeah, Not yesterday, um, but yeah, last episode. I'm tired. Again, touching back to that Russia game, there's very little you can learn about Russia as a team. Mm. So I think, yes, it, the sort of seen knowledge is that Egypt and Uruguay would probably be challenging for that. Um, Saudi Arabia, by the looks of today... They might as well a, just go home tough, now. They're going to have a tough time because Luis Suarez was looking at that That's game what today. I was going to say with and absolutely licking his Suarez lips. Suarez and Cavani players. up front. I don't think any of the defenses in that group can handle that. Um, both both teams because that Russia team looked old. Oh yeah, <laughs> at the start yeah, they looked a bit rusty. Thirty-eight, I think, was their oldest player. It's one of the oldest players in the tournament at thirty-eight. One of them um, looked about fifty-six when he came <laughs> off the pitch. And I think, well, yes, them, but especially Saudi Arabia. I think they're going to get quite bullied. Mm. Yes, well, in terms of Mohamed Salah, um, is it is it too soon? Uh, obviously, I don't know to what extent he's trained <laughs> over the last two weeks. Mm. <coughs> is, it, is there any point bringing him in for a game where potentially they're going to lose anyway? Well, and then Mohamed Salah is suffering for the rest of the world. That's Cup. the problem is that, yeah, do you bring him in against probably your most competitive game, but the one that you can maybe afford to lose and still get and still qualify even losing? Because obviously, they, well, what we're expecting is they'll beat Russia and Saudi Arabia. But 
if even if they still lose against Uruguay, it's pretty certain they'll get through. So do you rest Salah for that game and then bring him on for Russia and Saudi Arabia? Get him, you know, 60, 70 minutes in those matches. Get him fit for the knockout stages where he'll really be needed. Or do you bring him on against Uruguay, hope that he's fit, try and win against them, and then maybe even get, you know, get the win in that group, hoping that Uruguay get upset by someone and then maybe risk him for later on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you probably nailed it there perfectly, Alan, in terms of you don't really learn much from Russia in that opening game because Saudi Arabia are not the greatest team in the world. But what, what are you that, talking about? <laughs> what that has done, 5-0 <coughs> could play a massive part in goal difference. Yes. Because if Egypt do slip up against Russia and come out with a draw or they slip up against Saudi Arabia... That goal difference is going to be massive. And five goals, they cannot afford to go two, three goals down to Uruguay mm. because all of a sudden that means they need to start shipping six or seven in the next two games just to make sure that they overtake Russia on goal difference. So I think that 5-0 drubbing could could sway it in Russia's favour in Maybe. terms of goal difference. Maybe. But then I would say it's very reliant on that Egypt-Uruguay decide, like that match, who wins, who loses. It's, uh, it's so key, isn't it? It's almost... Well, the, the most Salah thing has almost taken over the story for Egypt yeah. more than the team itself. It's almost well, I like... I think he um, is the story, really. It is the story. It's like uh, Rooney or Beckham him. in 2002 and 2006. They were both injured before the tournament and that's all that was in the papers. There was... The Sun did a two-page spread with Beckham's ankle and urged oh, all the readers to rub his ankle to, <laughs> and pray that he gets better. <laughs> it's all like... And there's previous tournaments. I think Franco Baresi was injured in... It was either 94 they or something. They were talking about and it on the football ramble. Uh, those yeah. guys, we love those guys. But like, yeah. they say the, the, the problem with Beckham is like, he hadn't played in a, a month or two at least. And then like, do you bring him in for the first game? Like he was the talismanic figure like Mo Salah is for, for Egypt. Yeah. And it's just that decision of like, the drama of do you bring him in? Do you not? Do you leave him on the bench and then, you know, see for that maybe the last 20 minutes where he might actually be needed? Um, we don't know. And that's why we love it. It's because it's so dramatic and brilliant. I do, I do just hope he has a good World Cup because he deserves it and Egypt deserve it. And I think everyone was gutted when they saw saw him uh, power slammed into the floor by Ramos in the Champions League final. Um, but no, I do I do hope just for a, like personal sake that he does all right. I mean, I was going to say in terms of talking <coughs> for Uruguay, we we briefly touched on the Suarez Cavani thing. Cavani was top scorer in South American qualifying, scoring ten goals. So it's going to be interesting. I think he's more of a threat than Suarez. Yeah, he's for probably for the first year has actually started consistently since he's been at Napoli. Because obviously, after he left Napoli to come to PSG, he kind of had to play second fiddle to Ibrahimovic. Zlatan. Yeah, he was playing a, on the wing. and For a while. So I think this could yeah. really be his World Cup to kick <laughs> on and show, you know what, Luis Suarez isn't the only man that can do stuff yeah, for you. I think, I think Cavani's more, he's more, I think he's more of an aerial threat. I think he's a bit more of a physical presence as well. Like, obviously, I mean, obviously Suarez is one of the best strikers in the world. And he has a huge work rate. But I think, especially playing in this Barcelona squad, where it's a lot more technical, I think Cavani offers his threat, especially against like Russia and Saudi Arabia, where he could score a lot of goals if he gets the right service and sort of the right backup by what's not a bad midfield that Uruguay have. Mm. Um, and I mean, of course, Suarez there as well. So like, I, I reckon Cavani could be one of these players that if, he get, if they get through to the <coughs> knockout stages, he could be up there with like five goals already. Um, and the omens, potentially. Look, the omens look good for them. They've never lost. They've never lost against an African team at a World Cup. Never played three, 
one one drawn two. You know what will happen now is I'll lose to Egypt. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're listening to this podcast right now. Thinking, <laughs> Luis Suarez, if you're listening, uh, no, um, that'd be very interesting to watch. So that's on Friday. So we'll definitely be covering the result of that in our next podcast. Any thoughts on Morocco, Iran? My favourite team to upset. It's certainly a developing football nation, though. I think they're taking a lot of fans. Obviously, they just missed out on hosting the World Cup. They uh, did. Uh, just well. Lost out to the whole of North America, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> but yeah, but they're meant to be taking a large cohort of fans, so th- there could be a good uh, good atmosphere for that game at least. And they've got some decent players. I mean, that's why I think they might be favourites to upset Portugal or Spain. Mehdi Benassi is a solid defender. Hakim Ziyech has played really well in Holland for a number of years. Um, I think they'll be the upset. I mean, I keep saying it, but that's just because I want to prove myself right. But I think they will be an upset in that I think they're a good enough team to... Yeah. Fueled by Couscous, they're going all the way. <laughs> yes. That is well, my life. Yeah, that was, that was your pick for an upset from the group stages. My pick was uh, for Australia to get through their group um, over Denmark yeah. and Peru. You, you went in hard on Australia to get out of that group. They're actually... I, I don't disagree with that because it's a... Group obviously France, you'd say, are yeah, probably France there are going through because I, I, they're my pick for winning. But but, but Denmark, Denmark, they're not necessarily the strongest team in the tournament. Um, Peru, they've got one or two players, but uh, I mean Denmark have got a few. And, they're going to need mean, to field nine more players. They definitely can't just play with two players. <laughs> um, they've got Ericsson. They've got uh, Benter, of course, not made it. <laughs> not made it and that petition got signed <laughs> to <laughs> delay the World Cup no they've got a few players they've got Crondelli and uh, a few you know they've got a chance Denmark are probably the obvious pick but Pru do have their secret weapon though of uh, Nobby Solano in the coaching team <laughs> oh wow Newcastle legends so <laughs> that man could take free kicks and who knows that could be the inspiration for them <laughs> maybe do you think no. he's allowed to play do you think he's cheekily signed himself up to the 23-man squad list? I think it's still Is good he going to do what Cantona did at Soccer Aid and just come on like when no one expected him to I mean, you're right. I, it's not <coughs> unlikely that they make that group competitive. But Go on, Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill is, like, what, 40 years old now? He, I'm pretty sure he was around in the Jurassic period. He was. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said Jurassic Park. <laughs> fresh off a season with Millwall as well, so he's been cutting it's his teeth the whole season. Um, uh, <laughs> been ripping up some chairs and some stadiums. He's been dodging the yeah. stab wounds. <laughs> yeah, so uh, bring your bulletproof vests, France team, because it's going to kick off. Oh um, dear. So of course, yeah, Peru, Denmark, um, and France versus Australia. How do we see those two going? Uh, I mean, France will win. Obviously, it's France against your dark horses, Australia. Yeah, but they can still beat Peru and Denmark and get through. I just don't see anyone beating France for the whole tournament because I think France will win. Yeah, the the, the France result isn't what's going to dictate that group. I no, think France no. are going to have a nice, gentle sort of warm up yeah. to this World Cup. They're, they're going to have a good time of it. And, yeah, uh, they can play their fifth team and still win. No, I, I mean, think if Peru beat Denmark, it's very open. I think if Denmark beat Peru, then it probably is Denmark going through. Um, it, I think the Denmark-Australia game will will be the key one, I think. Because like you guys said, the France results, unless someone upsets France massively, I don't think France results are going to matter too much because they'll probably clean sweep yeah. that group. So along with that, we've got a load of other big games coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, Croatia and Nigeria finishing off Saturday. Uh, and then we've got 
Brazil Switzerland, which I think is going to be a really really good, really uh, really important game as well, especially because I sort of want Switzerland to do quite well. That's on Sunday, and then Germany Mexico as well. We can see this outing from this Germany squad that's without Leroy Sane, but with still a lot of young talent, and Thomas Muller, who we think could possibly match the all-time goal-scoring record of Miroslav Klose of this tournament. Yeah, he needs seven goals to overtake him. Seven, so... Probably not going to do it in this one. Maybe not, but if they go all the way to the final, it's definitely potential. And it does depend how they line up as well. Um, with They've brought four forwards, I think. So there's potential for him to play behind a striker and bag a lot of goals. Um, not guarantee. He's not the same animal as he was. No. Uh, two, well, four seasons ago or even the... You know, their previous World Cup, but uh, he's certainly playing in the favourite team. So that, well, one of the favourite teams, sorry, so that always helps. Yeah, he's I one of say they're going to go all the way, most yeah. probably. He's that one helps. of those players that you'd struggle to leave out because of the his ability to get goals. Absolute fox in the box. Yeah, and against the big teams, that could be really, really important. Um, also then, coming up Monday, we've got Belgium's first outing, immediately against, against Panama. But that could give Belgium the start they need to show off their amazing talent of their their sort of attacking prowess. Mm. Um, so that could be a real benefit for them. And then we get to Tunisia versus England. The big game. The big one that everyone's waiting for, where Tunisia are going to romp it home in a 3-1 victory. I'm kidding. <laughs> How, what do we think of England's chances? I mean, they should beat Tunisia, you know? I mean... I had a lot of sort of notes that I've taken for this episode, but in, in terms of England, I've only got one note. It's three words. Sir Harry Kane. I think we're going all the way. <laughs> yeah. Arise, Sir Harry Kane. It's going to happen. I um, think that no. you need to create like a new thing beyond knighthood, like kingship or something, but like honorary kingship. Can but you imagine the, the Sun newspaper wouldn't know what to do if Raheem Sterling got an <laughs> OBE? They'd, they'd really struggle with that. Greedy so, Raheem. Yeah, literally, yeah. Greedy, greedy Raheem, Raheem steals yeah. all spotlight yeah. for... Greedy Raheem scores hat-trick, doesn't he? Attempts <laughs> to steal Queen's sword. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Taking all the honours for himself. Oh, no, no it's, it's sort of the ideal start. Um, and I've said not a whole lot of pressure on England, but it is, is an easy way to sort of ease into a World Cup. Um, you're going to expect <laughs> a couple of goals there, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> Who? How would you line up then against Tunisia? Because considering that it's a game that potentially we should breathe through quite easily how would you would you start at just a full strength 11 uh or would you maybe rest a few players for the you know the belgium match later on i, th- I think you've got to play a full strength sets the tone for the tournament uh the world cup might as well go yeah this at this stage the the games are spread out enough that you don't really need to rest players as such um i, I think you're pretty much going to see the team that faced nigeria in the first game. I think it was quite a change team for the Costa Rica game. Yeah. But uh, essentially that, that three at the back, um, I think Cahill will probably be in there instead of Maguire. Yeah. As otherwise very a very, very inexperienced. Um, and then I, I think the rest of the team possibly picks itself almost. It's both, yeah, effectively the Nigeria team. Yeah. And, I, and that's, you'd probably say almost full strength. Yeah. Well, I, th- I say, I think we've got to stick with the formation with the wing back just because it's such a popular move in the Premier League this season. Um, and we've got the talent to do that. And then this sort of odd-shaped midfield-looking thing with like a holding player and then two centre mids with the wing-backs and then the attackers as well. Uh, Kane and Rashford up front? Kane and Vardy? I mean, the way Rashford played in that Costa Rica match, <laughs> he certain, I mean, he took that game by the scruff of the neck, didn't he? If there's a player to come in from that Nigeria game to add a player in, you'd probably say it's Rashford. 
That goal against Costa Rica, one of the best <coughs> goals I've seen all season from him. And just looked like a player who would quite happily slot into that system. Because that, it's, it's not really a 3-4-3 three, three or a 3-5-2. It's, it's a very sort of fluid movement that players... Rashford started on the left, but he scored his goal from the right. He was sort of given free roam to drift across. And you think, with the players at England's disposal... But I, I, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And but one thing to note, I think they're. It seems, at least on the face of it, they're enjoying it a bit more. Yes. Um, compared to other tournaments, a bit less pressure. Uh, there was videos coming out today where the media was sort of allowed in to sort of a little. Um, I want to say playtime. That sounds a bit childish, but <laughs> downtime. They got the to players. go on the swings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, someone had to carry Raheem Sterling up there. <laughs> <laughs> or, he was pushing yeah. me in the prime. Yeah. Um, but no, so they were doing sort of uh, bowling and darts. Kale <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely smashed the darts from what I hear. But it, it's a sort of looks like a more relaxed atmosphere. And that's the type of thing that's said a lot in previous tournaments hadn't necessarily worked. I think this is the most promising England have been in a very long time. And I think it's on the, on the Marcus Rashford point of view, I think it's a very good team for him to fit into. Because as you said, it's fluid, it's loose. You've got a big guy like Harry Kane in there who has probably more pressure on him than anyone else does going into this tournament. But if anyone can deliver, it's Harry Kane. So I think Rashford, there's not a huge amount of pressure on him. If he doesn't do well, there's still Vardy there. It's not like he has to do well for us to succeed. So I think it's something that he could be really, really successful in and be one of those breakout stars. Like he's up there, you know, with like Mbappe, Dembele, all these really young players who have been tipped for really, really great things of the recent years. So I think for the first time in a, in a long time, they always say, oh, there's the last few tournaments, England have almost been said, oh, there's no pressure on England. But I feel like there still was. This is probably the first time that they genuinely seems, I think the Southgate appointment has made that camp so much more relaxed. You don't have sort of the hardline nature of Fabio Capello. Roy Hodgson, as much as he was more relaxed than Capello, you still feel like he was a lot stricter because of the way he played. Whereas Southgate seemed like that very much more calm. No, I think you're right. And I think, that's why I think it's fair to have sort of this high opinion that we could do quite well. Um, but we will have to wait and see. That Tunisia game on uh, Monday at 7 o'clock. I say we'll talk about it in our next episode when we've got the result uh, and just go over the performance. Here's hoping that it all goes well. Score predictions. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with 3-0 England. Well, I can't say that now. Um, Is that what you're going to go yeah. for? We'll go with... Um, We'll go 4-0 England. Ooh, strong scores. Yeah. I don't know if Tunisia poses too much of a threat to actually score against us. I well, they're there on merit. They went through the qualification, but you just, looking at sort of the team, there's not a lot of names in there you know. It, no. I, th- I think perhaps the occasion might even get to them. There's yeah, not a team there that will have played in a huge amount of important matches. Yeah. And... You know that, uh, that, that they could have a great game with Panama, but I think yeah, the, the Belgium and the England matches might they might struggle with. But we'll go on then. What's yours? Because we didn't hear yours. I'm going to say two 0 England. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be one of those comfortable but assured performances. See, I, I'm They'll bearing being done. on the more positive side, going three 0 purely because I think that I well, I'm hoping that we can sort of get get some scoring going, get some good play going, and uh, actually create a lot of chances with this and say more attacking side. So. I think we, we've all gone for the same vein, you know, 2 0, 3 0, 4 0, of that Tunisia don't pose much of a threat. But uh, here's hoping we just see some attacking football and we, some exciting football. Whilst we're talking about England, what, what is the 
target? What do you think is a reasonable mark to hit? Is it that quarterfinal stage again? Yeah, that's what I that's what I've predicted in you know my little predictor that I do. Um, that's what I've thought that they'll get to. Because I think they'll get past the round of sixteen, and I think they'll get into the quarterfinals. Because who I think they came up against. I I think when I through the the group stages, they we came up against Poland in the round of sixteen, and I backed them to beat Poland, uh, despite Lewandowski. But I I think we then go drawing against Germany because as soon as you get into the quarterfinals, you've yeah. got big teams you're playing. You can't avoid them. I like believe... you'll, you'll be drawing against a Brazil, a Germany, a Spain. I believe and... the situation is we presuming that Brazil and Germany both top their groups, which is yeah, you know, more than likely we either top our group and meet. Germany in the quarters, or we come second and we meet Brazil. Yeah. So it's it's uh... that's the two things I think is us not topping our group, and uh, maybe only maybe like getting really really lucky and coming up against someone that somehow fluked their group, or us winning and then coming up against uh, maybe a Portugal who could possibly knock us out. You know, if they play well. Mm. So you, I you've think got to face I, those teams at some stage. Yeah. So. I, there's no getting around it. If you're going to win the World Cup, you have to of probably face either Brazil or Germany. But um, yeah, I think we. I think if we need, if we win, we could get to the quarterfinals, like as a high possibility. If we don't, I think we'll struggle. And that would be success, definitely. Yes. Uh, considering the last World Cup group stage, the previous Euros, it was an embarrassing first knockout round defeat. Yeah, certainly quarters would be seen as a massive improvement. Yeah, and with the young squad as well, there's definitely room for you know to get even better. So, and an inexperienced manager, and an inexperienced manager. That's a very in terms very good of point. management, he's an experienced player. So, <laughs> so Danny and I picked last episode. We picked our upsets for um, sort of who we think is going to get out of the group stages over maybe a bigger team. Danny picked uh, Morocco, Morocco, obviously. Uh, I picked Australia to beat Denmark and Peru to get into the second spot. Of all the groups, who do you think might? be an upset and get through their group stages when they had no previous chance of doing so. I, it's tricky. I don't <coughs> really know what would count as an upset, but I'm looking at sort of Group E. I'm thinking that, that Serbia have quite a functional team, um, a team that's sort of littered with a couple of players. Um, I, I can't remember his uh, pronunciation, but Milicevic Savic. Milinkovic Savic. Milinkovic Savic. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Um, was that from the laptop? That was, was that, that, oh, that was you. That was from my well, knowledge. Find, of find, the, um, find the pronunciation on the, the translator thing, because this could be mind-blowing. You keep talking. I'll be right, I'll be right <laughs> up there with Blasikowski. Blasikowski. So, so, Serbia. Obviously, Serbia. It, it's quite a tough group if you look at the face of it. So, obviously, <coughs> Brazil in there. You're going to say they're probably going to top that yeah. group. But then looking down the list, Switzerland, Costa Rica and Serbia. I mean, on the face of it, Switzerland are actually currently ranked sixth in the world. Somehow. Inexplicably. Um, basically because of their abuse of the Shakiri! Yeah. Well, the thing is, I always... So whenever England go out, I always support Switzerland because I'm part Swiss. And I was gutted when Argentina beat us in the uh, World Cup about four years ago. Um, so if Serbia do get through, I'm going to be gutted. But it's not a bad call because it's quite an interesting group. Uh, Costa Rica can always, you know, they can throw an upset like they did four years ago and play really well against us. And moving on from that point, potentially an- another team that could find themselves in a very good position is is a team from Group H because you're looking at that and it's Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Mm. Not necessarily an obvious group topper there. No. So whoever does go on from that group, I mean, they could find themselves in a good half of the draw. Um, who knows? I think it's, that's. That's what I said in the main on the, the main podcast was 
I though I England draw Gudrun against Poland because Poland came. I think I predicted England to come second and Poland to win this group, which meant we got drawn together, um, or the other way around. But we, so we, I think one of them we got drawn together, which is like Poland is or even Colombia, you know, a good draw for the knockout stage um, against some of the people we could get drawn against. But yeah, I mean Senegal and Japan have a chance. They're not like, bad. None of them are bad teams. No, it's a very interesting group, that is. Especially at the World Cup. You yeah. know, a team could really turn up and get, <coughs> you know, sort of get the momentum going. Um, it's a re- I think it's a really interesting group, though. Yeah. Four, four teams, four countries, four continents. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is really nice. Alan well, with the facts. Oh, four, four, four. <laughs> drop that one in there. But no, it's nice. That's what the World Cup's about, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was looking at something because I'm, I'm weird and I get bored. So I look at stats. A lot, and I look at match rating. So I thought, as a running thing for the rest of the the podcast, for the rest of the World Cup, I would take the best performing player on a match day, yep. rated from whoscored.com, and put them into a team of the tournament. Oh, very good. So, so who have we got for the opening match? Match day one goes to Golovin from Russia. He got debut, 22 years old, debut in a World Cup, two assists, and a beautiful free kick goal. Got 9.9 from whoscored.com. Take that. Very good. Or don't. <laughs> nah, whatever you like. Whatever you want to do with it. Um, if you agree, disagree, absolutely hate anything we've said, or want to offer a different opinion, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at gametime underscore pod, or give us an email at gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com.